What time is it, kids? First goddamn week of winter. The following program is intended for mature audiences. In a world, in a city, in the deep south, within this skyscraper high above the city, they found him. He's back. And on that note, we cue the music. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you the great movie challenge. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at flat masses. And as you heard, folks, welcome back to the Great Movie Challenge. We have been gone for a little bit, I guess, taking a little Comic-Con hiatus, longer than expected. But we are here, Great Movie Challenge. We haven't left. And boy, do we have a show for you today. It's going to literally, you better take your shoes off because your socks will literally be blown off. This is how awesome it's going to (laughs) be. Our guest today is the one and only Lisa Correo. I am saying that correctly, correct, Lisa? You are, and my shoes are off. So your, so your shoes are undamaged, although your socks have been blown off. Lisa is comedian, actress, singer, inventor. No. Um, <laughs> inventor, yes. <laughs> uh, you are jack of all trades, needless to say. Uh, we've seen... Uh, if Wait her, a second. I'm a jack of very few trades. That's not true. <laughs> Let's I be honest. I disagree. <laughs> I have seen your trades, and they're all jack. They're all... You got them all down. But, oh, hell uh, yeah. Go see. Uh, you can see Lisa at Comic Cons aplenty at, over at Improv's comedy shows. Because I see you all the time advertising that you're uh, you're doing another show. You are you're a machine out there, Lisa. Literally. Uh, I I'm, I'm literally a cyborg. I'm a comedy robot. But then you can also see you on the. Uh, can you still see you on the Disney Channel? Are you? Still um, the- you can't see me on the Disney Channel at all. Nickelodeon actually. Nickelodeon. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I was on a, a Nickelodeon show called Every Witch Way, and I played a witch. So, and, pun, uh, you get the pun, folks. Witch, uh, witch, you get it, love it. Right, right, right. And now, I, that show was canceled. The uh, The kids on the show got too old. And, typical, uh, but, typical kids. Yeah, you know, they all look like they're like 25, and they're all gorgeous, and... Uh, you know, for the old people like me, it doesn't matter because we're, we're just like these old witches. Like, <laughs> and they, you know, they don't care what we look like. Cause were you we're channeling, you're channeling <laughs> Bette Midler there from, uh, I can't even think of that movie, what she did, the, the Halloween one. Bette Midler. What is that, Bewitched? Or, I don't even know. No, that's Bewitched. a show. <laughs> <laughs> now you did. I have no idea what that TV show is. I'm not that old. <laughs> We're old and it's okay. <laughs> oh, is it right? I don't right? lie about my age. All right, but for folks who don't know Lisa, I've got a Fast and Furious getting to know Lisa. So, are you ready for this? Oh Lisa? God! All right, so we're gonna put the timer on the clock. You got to get this done in thirty seconds. So, first answers. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. No, nope. really, they're really yep. good, and uh, some of them are extremely personal. But you can't stop. You got to get to the end. Okay, right. let's do it. Question number one: What's your name? Lisa Marie Correa. Favorite food? Escarole soup. Really? What's your occupation? <laughs> I'm a stand-up comedian. Your favorite color? Blue. Ha, ha, really? How many body piercings do you have? Body piercings? I have just my ears, just a single little ear piercing. Your biggest pet peeve? Glue on things, like when you peel off a price tag and there's glue left. I'll give you that one. Uh, What do you think is the sexiest accent? The sexiest accent? Oh, I guess uh, Latino. Okay. Uh, Same-sex crush. (laughs) Same-sex crush. Hmm. Joan Rivers. (laughs) Joan Rivers before. Not no, Rivers now. Of course. <laughs> uh, your favorite movie? The Thing. Now I'm gonna The Thing original or The Thing prequel? Because you know they oh, had that other huh. one come out. What do I, I look like? I know. I know. <laughs> John Carpenter, The Thing from and 1980s. The, uh, it's an early 80, 80 Yeah. yeah. The uh, and the last one. If you had a choice, 
Would you have the power of invisibility or the power of flight? Flight, for sure. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, now you have it. Now Lisa's not that interesting, I guess. All right. <laughs> so, and uh, the final bonus question is the trolley problem. Do you know the trolley problem? No. What's that? You are standing on the side of the railroad tracks. You have uh, the switch that you can switch tracks. On one track, five people you know. On the other track, Joan Rivers. Which when the train is out of control, what do you do? Oh, like I'm about to murder them? Well, you can switch tracks, but someone's got to go. So you can well, you can switch. You got to go down track A, track B. Okay, so this is easy because Joan Rivers in this case is already a corpse, so she wouldn't be <laughs> mad at me if I blasted know. her with a trolley. You've already worked in the supernatural field on the witch show, so you know there's possibility she could come back and be haunted. Okay. You don't know. You don't know this at all. But anyway, uh, that is something that I wanted to touch upon that you and I found out. Uh, I found out recently that you and I had something in common, which is The Thing is one of our favorite films. One hundred thousand years ago, it found its way into our galaxy. frozen wasteland of Antarctica. It could not escape. Now the men of Station 4 have made a monumental discovery. An alien creature had frozen, but not to death. place to hide. films ever since i'm a kid it traumatized me but i kept going back for more it's i i literally just watched that and the for the first time the prequel have you ever seen the prequel no it's don't bother it's i uh, stayed away purposely because i i figured if there's no way it would come close it does not it's I, I will give it, it does pay homage in the sense of you're basically watching the Norwegians. This is, that's what the prequel yeah. is. You're, you're seeing the, what happens, how it all started. But it's the okay. same movie. The thing, the original thing, John Carpenter's the thing, does it better. And uh, I, st I personally think the special effects hold up to this day. The special uh, effects do hold up. It's all practical effects, of course. Yes. The 80s. Which and I found out. Uh, I found out just now that uh, I was reading online that uh, the blood, the, when they did the blood test, uh, putting the the hot iron in the blood, they just moved a table and made the blood move like that. That's how they filmed it. That's how practical oh, really? it was. That's that's it. That's. <laughs> wow. But still, it was amazing. It was uh, because they also had those little sound effects when the blood was moving, like ee ee ee, and it's just uh, if, haunting. Absolutely haunting. Take, basically, they heated up the the wire, a metal wire. And they figured, okay, if every part of this organism is alive, if every cell is alive and individual, it's going to react to the hot wire because it doesn't like fire. So they stick the hot wire in there and, like, the, the blood of people who are just human, it would just go, <laughs> and then if it, if it was the alien, it was like, ah, it exploded. Now, Clark. Clark was human, huh? Which makes you a murderer, don't it? Palmer now. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last. Get away from me! Retreating! Burn it! Hey. 
Yes, it did make the blood does make that noise when you hit it with the, it goes, ew, ew, ew. I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, but <laughs> yeah, month. it was. Um, I I was uh, at a in Chicago and John Carpenter was in Chicago, so cool. I, I put on my thing shirt uh, that said Arctic Outpost Thirty One, being like, oh, he's going to be impressed with this. Spoiler, he was not. Um, <laughs> oh, I've never seen a, a thing T-shirt before. So I uh, um, I went up to get an autograph from him, and he was just like, uh, eh, whatever. And I wanted a picture, and he was like, no, no pictures. So I was kind of disappointed, but I still got an autograph, and I thought it was pretty cool. cool. Now, little little side story. I was standing in line to get a picture with someone from Arrow. I don't know, some TV show, CW show. I don't know what it was. Uh, and there was, there was a woman standing off to the side, just standing there talking on the phone. And I kept telling my friend, I think that's somebody we should know. Even though she was not in any kind of booth or anything. And it's like, dude, that's someone that we should know. And now her name escapes me, but... I had a huge crush on her when I was a kid. Did you ever watch Buck Rogers? Yeah. The who is Aaron oh, Gray? Aaron Gray. Gray. <laughs> it was, and so we literally, uh, I walked up to this girl at CW to get her autograph, and the only thing I said to her was, "Is that Aaron Gray over there?" And she's like, "Yeah." So we ditched her, just said thank you, and left her. And we uh, kind of pile drived on Aaron Gray, and she was like, "Look, I'm just here, you know." You made it sound so dirty. <laughs> so. Uh, she was like, I'm just here just, you know, behind the scenes. It was like, you don't understand. I'm super in love with you uh, ever Aww. since Buck Rogers. So we yeah. got a couple we got a couple pictures with her. And it turns out she's actually an agent. And one of her clients is John Carpenter. Get so, out of here. So the, uh, the next time I was walking past John Carpenter's booth, Aaron Gray was over there. And I went up again and said, can I get a picture? And he said, no. And I said, Aaron said I could get one. And he just looked at Aaron, and then he goes, all right. And so I got a picture with John Carpenter. Hooray. I'll always picture Aaron Gray in her sexy spacesuit, And, look, like, you telling the story, I'm picturing her in the Buck Rogers That's suit. all she wears. That's all that's she wears. That's right. And that's how I wanted to grow up and be, and only wear a <laughs> It's just the silver one V-neck. That's, uh, that's all she Both wears. Cleavage. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But she was phenomenal. And then she went on to Silver Spoons, and she ruined my life. But uh, but I still, <laughs> love, I love Aaron Gray. She was Gray. good in Silver Spoons, too. She was. She was. I don't know. She shows up every now and then in different things. But uh, yeah. um, but I love her. Love Aaron Gray. That was my, my big John Carpenter story. Um, <laughs> Which barely included John Carpenter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but basically how I bullied John Carpenter into taking a picture with me. Um, recently, for those of you who don't know, and I wanted you to know, they just released the Thing board game. So what? You, can, you can actually buy a board game that uh, is based Tell on... Tell me there's a spider thing. head. Is there a spider head piece? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, I really want to play this game. So you are invited to game night if you want to play. Uh, I That's sure. so cool. Uh, okay, the spider head's my favorite part of the movie. It's, <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, that's what my picture is. It's that my is head as a spider head. I'm having a t-shirt made right now with my head as a, a spider head. As the spider it. head? It is, yes. That, that was the best, uh, best scene in the movie. And I think one of the scariest, uh, uh, between the blood jumping... Uh, was when the chest opened up and uh, um, bit the guy's arms off. That was surprising for me. Bit his arms right off. But the, I mean, uh, they, it was like he was having a heart attack, and they went to use the defibrillators on him, and his <laughs> chest just completely caved in. this when I was a kid it, it bit off it, it, it had fangs all of a sudden his chest yeah. it bit off the guy's arms from the elbows down and then he's just like ah, with his bloody stumps <laughs> and of course the, fl the, the flamethrowers <laughs> never worked when they needed to work uh, that's what killed me is that as this guy is literally <laughs> screaming with stumps of his arms flailing about uh, everybody's just standing there looking at it like what's going on <laughs> thinking, oh god Man. uh but I feel bad because I really liked that was Copper the Doc, the doctor, and I really liked him. I really liked him a lot. But here is the burning question. For those, you know what, we're kind of getting into it, and uh, let me let me lay down some tracks. If you have not seen The Thing, you are living in a cave because you should see this movie. I think it is still one of the best horror films, true horror film, uh, because it is not, even though it does have gore, I think it more relies on paranoia, uh, tension, 
uh, because you have no idea who you can trust, who's uh, yeah. uh, who is, uh, and and that brings more anxiety when you're watching the movie. It just it's amazing. But an alien, uh, ten thousand years ago, crash lands on Earth. The uh, an Arctic expedition digs it up and thaws him out and learns that this alien can eat you and then become you, more or less, absorb you, uh, and then look exactly like you, whether it's a dog. Completely imitate you. And now, do you think, because obviously it's still, it had your thoughts too, because it could talk to you like you were, like it was, uh, like, because the, the one stoner in there, and I can't think of his name, uh, that he was the one that had the best line with the spider head when everybody turns around and looks at the spider head. <laughs> But at the time when he looked at, turned around and said, the, looked at that spider head and said, you got to be fucking kidding. He was the right. thing. He was the thing at that time. Because, oh, I didn't realize that. So he, they, it took on his personality. Yeah, because they had to tie him up like right after. And uh, and that's when his blood went, ee! So whatever noise. Oh, see, I have to watch it again because I didn't realize that. And I've, I've seen the movie, mind you. I've seen it so many times. But I, I, I didn't I didn't realize that. Hmm. that because of that, superior. because of that, I think my same sex crush for a while was Kurt Russell. Just because of that movie. Uh, right. because, How can you not love Kurt Russell? Oh, my gosh. And, but here is the thing. At the, the thing. At the, the end thing of the movie. The thing? <laughs> at the end of the movie, you have MacReady and Childs. They're the only ones left. And they're, uh, you know, sh- what should we do? Do you think either one of them was the thing? Well, you know, that's one of the most terrifying things about the movie is it leaves you with terror. There's no wrap-up at the end. There's loose ends. You're like, what's going to happen? They're, they're, you, you don't have that, oh, and then they lived happily ever after. It's, no, the world is ending. <laughs> and, is, you know, right. I, I think that... Oh, I wanted to believe that neither of them were, but they were just waiting for the, you know, the Wilford Brimley alien <laughs> coming at them. With oatmeal to show up and uh, offer. Yeah, I don't... I yeah, don't. spread his diabetes to them. <laughs> but, uh, um, well, that's, that's the other thing I wanted to say. If the guy whose chest opened up, who, mm-hmm. the, who had the heart attack, he had a heart attack because... He was faking it. The thing was faking it, or the thing absorbed his bad heart and had a bad heart. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why did why did he have the heart attack? He didn't have to. So I was thinking That's that. The, I don't know. Oh, sorry. Finish. No, I was gonna say. So if you were sick, I was wondering if the thing became you. If the thing was sick too, like had whatever disease you had. So if the guy had a bad heart and the thing absorbed you, the thing would have a bad heart in that body. So, yeah, so, like, it's imitating all of your cells, including all your crappy ones. Yeah. So that we just yeah. got to get a bunch of sick people, put it in the room of the thing, and boom, we got him. He's dead. So <laughs> that's, I, I learned how to save. I saved the world with a thing. There we go. There we go. But, the, but then they, they go back into whatever their weird form is. See, I don't know about that. I, I kind of always got the impression that they were not exact copies so that what seemed to be like a heart attack was just like it, it just wasn't a good copy of the guy just like with that little spider head running off it like wasn't a good copy or like when you would see like <laughs> parts of the dogs <laughs> popping out of it like it's like a bad copy of that dog the uh um i don't know the spider head thing looked pretty good i, I thought that was a pretty good copy that's, of a that's spider awesome. <laughs> the Those legs uh, sprouting out of its head oh my god the uh, in the very begin, not very beginning, but when they put that dog in the kennel, and uh, then you just hear that, like the dog breathing really heavy, and then his face just crank, just splits open. I, I remember watch watching that as a kid, being like, "What?" and feeling so sorry for those other dogs that were in that kennel with that thing, just being like, that one was ripping chains out of the thing, being like, "Dude, what's up?" I, uh, and poor Carl. Yeah, I felt bad for the other dogs. I, I mean, it's so funny that we both saw this when we were kids. Yes. How traumatizing is that? Um, you I know, don't think it's traumatizing it, at all. It's, it, 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 it prepared me for, for life. Earth, for life. <laughs> I will never give anyone CPR because I don't want my arms to be bitten off. So. Right? <laughs> I, I, it terrified me, but I loved it. And, and it's funny because it came out at the same time as E.T., 
And I remember my parents took us to see E.T. You know, I was a kid in the 80s. (laughs) And we loved E.T. Yeah, another alien. Like, aliens are great. Look how awesome aliens are. They're so fun. They're your best friend. So you saw E.T. first. Yes. You should have saw. Oh, can you imagine if you saw E.T. second after the thing? The other way around. (laughs) As soon as E.T. showed up, he's going to kill you. You're terrified. Right. I, I, uh, no, I, I went from E.T. to The Thing, and then I was like, I don't think I want an alien to be my best friend. <laughs> I don't know. I have some people I wouldn't mind exact copies of. Like, dude, just go ahead. <laughs> Take care of that one. Um, have you, Now, you talk about traumatized. It's funny because that movie is pretty violent uh, <laughs> as far as the things exploding out of your body parts and, and whatever. <laughs> Um, and when the uh, that one point when the guy's head just opens up to like a Venus flytrap and just takes the other guy's head in and flings them all around the rec room. Um, poor Windows, who was another favorite character of mine, Windows. But uh, was th- was there any movie that you saw as a kid that traumatized you to this day? To this of, day, that you scanners. still have. Oh, really? That was another one that stuck with me. Scanners, the whole you know, having the ability to make someone's head explode with your mind. It traumatized me, but also things like that, just like the movie, The Thing, those images stayed with me. And even though they they scared me, I also really liked it. I liked to be scared. And I would sometimes fantasize about someone who made me angry that I could just, with my mind, make their head explode. I still do it now. Wait, I feel a little pressure. Come on, Lisa. <laughs> this is uh, um, for me. It was Jaws. I saw Jaws. Oh yeah. I saw Jaws as a child, like an idiot. I lived in New York, so I was not around water. And uh, we came down to Florida for a vacation, uh, and I just saw. I I was so pumped, like Jaws. Oh, it sounds so cool. And my parents, being who they were, decided to take me to see Jaws before I went to my first swim in the ocean. Um, and I have been traumatized by that movie ever since, to this day. It's scary, and it should be scary, because that's a real monster. That's something that can really happen. We have but, those. But you don't understand. <laughs> I can go in a pool and freak myself out about it. That's how traumatized I am. You about know, it. when I was a kid, I would definitely say I felt that way. Like, especially if, if you ever went swimming in a, a pool at night, you would kind of see shadows, and that was pretty <laughs> terrifying, for yeah. sure. But I, I, for some reason, I felt that there was some kind of James Bond villain that was going to release a great white shark into whatever pool. And it's like, I got to get out for a little while, guys. And uh, on the side. But uh, yeah, Jaws is the one that terrified me, whereas the thing should have been giving me nightmares. Instead, I was just I fell in love with that movie. It was it's yeah. still, like I said, to this day, uh, a great movie. And that's one of the cool parts of the movie. It's it's that guessing game that you're doing, trying to figure out who who is the imitation, who's the real person. And they always throw the red herrings in there because you want to be like, yeah. uh, oh, it's definitely that guy, that uh, the army guy. I can't think of his name. Doug. Was it Doug? Gary. His name is Gary. The guy with the bushy yeah. eyebrows. The old guy with the bushy eyebrows. You're like, it's him. <laughs> it's him. And everybody thought. Oh, yeah. Look at those like, eyebrows. He's got to be the, the one. He has to be. Who lets their eyebrows get that bushy? <laughs> nobody. Uh, aliens. That's who. Uh, <laughs> nobody uh, Nobody thought it was the stoner guy. That was. Uh, he, they played that one beautifully. Lovable. Um, I never thought it was Wilford Brimley. And then uh, when he turned out to be. Which I'm still really not sure how the thing got to him, but yeah. uh, um, he turned out to be a jerk. Wilford Brimley, typical. Yeah, we <laughs> it's typical Wilford Brimley. Always a jerk. Oh, so, but uh, they, like I said, they did do a prequel back in the '90s. Uh, so folks, maybe more uh, in tune with that one, know about that one more. I suggest skip that one and just go straight for the 1980 John Carpenter version because it is. It holds up. It holds up. It's still so good. I really need to watch it again. It's been a while. I watched it, uh, like I said, I watched Double Feature the other day, back-to-back, the prequel, and then uh, The Thing, and still, uh, it, The Thing, it's it's amazing. No, There is not another horror movie that I can say that I, I enjoyed as much as that because I am not all into the, the slasher where it's all just blood, guts, torture porn. Yeah. I don't. I don't okay. It's not fun. This movie was true horror in the sense of you had your blood, you had your guts, but you had that tension throughout the whole movie that you're just like, oh, dude, what's around that corner? What's happening here? 
and uh, the fact most that he said of the bloody vets were to me were were not the it wasn't the kind of gore like to me Texas Chainsaw Massacre is all gore yes you know whereas this kind of gore was more like these weird alien things that were happening you know it was like gore that wasn't reality so I didn't think of it as much as just like cutting someone open. You know, okay. like well, like the defibrillator scene, for example. Like when those, the defibrillator goes through the guy's chest, it's an alien, so it it just opens <laughs> up to this weird thing with fangs. It wasn't like a guy's chest, but it was. But then again, it did bite the guy's. <laughs> it did. So great. His uh, <laughs> it is a great scene, and it because uh, um, his hands go right in there, and you don't expect that. He's just like save this poor man who's having a heart attack, and the chest is like, and you're like, oh my <laughs> god, it's uh, it's brilliant. I got to actually um, introduce a couple of uh, kids to this movie, uh, so <laughs> perfect kid movie, and uh, they they really loved it. Literally loved that movie. They. Yeah. Uh, the, especially the girls. The girls love that movie. They uh, they will watch anytime like uh, someone comes over, babysit or whatever. They'll just be like, "I want to show you a movie," and boom, the thing comes on. Love it, love it. The, so, the music is scary too. It has a, a, the score is really good. Like it, it sounds like it almost sounds like your your heart's beating intensely when you're listening to it. You know, and the way it starts out with just the the dog running in the in the snow and the, you know they're in antarctica and you almost feel cold while you're watching it because it's so snowy well that was the other thing i said the 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 beauty of having it in the antarctica just you had the isolation where you cannot call for help they're, they're right. in the middle of nowhere there's a storm on the way they can't get anybody on the radio and uh so that's just them so it makes mm -hmm. it perfect where it's like dude we got to handle this ourselves yeah and uh that when the first when the first guy gets taken and they follow him outside and he's his hands are still like this big because the thing hasn't finished copying him and he's just like it's like oh my god I I really think I probably would have gone uh, um, on a snowmobile and just been like you know what, dude I'm gonna go over to the, gonna go somewhere else I once I would have saw the I, I think uh, that's Norwegian. why I my family moved to Florida just to be warm <laughs> was to get away from the know, thing. Yeah, you know, it's so funny thinking about my childhood because my parents were very strict and um, we couldn't watch, when I say we, I have two brothers, so we, we couldn't watch anything that had any kind of sexual content in it, but horror was completely okay. Any kind of death but and violence <laughs> was like, go ahead, kids, is That's fun. okay. We'll let Just that one slide. Just don't look at a booby. That's, but, uh, but. So this was before then when the whole if you have sex you'll die type of horror movie, right? Because I mean, uh, horror, I mean, because horror films like Friday the 13th and those started to get a little sexual. Uh, right. If, if you had sex in it, you're dead. Anyone want to help me pick some strawberries? Nope, but I'll give you a hand with those melons. Talking about her boobs. Ew, writing is so bad. What is that noise? It's Billy. He's coming. Everyone who has sex in this movie dies. It's awesome. No sex. Wait, wait, wait. Selfie time. Okay. That's it. So. What's hilarious about, like, the, the movies, the horror movies that started to get sexual, what would happen is, this is so funny, okay? So my, my dad would, like, record those movies and then edit out any sex scenes so that we could all, like, sit as a family and watch it. Because, God forbid, if anything dirty came up on the screen, we would all feel just mortified. So he would feel, but he put a little effort into it. Good for him. That takes some time. It takes some time editing out uh, boobs and whatnot. Now, yes, language. Yes, made us all sexually repressed. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Is uh, language okay? Were they okay with the language part of it? Uh, he, he definitely would take out if there was the, the F word. He was sensitive about that. He still is to this day. My parents are both like that. And how do you feel about that? You know, I, I don't care either way. It doesn't bother me, but because I was raised that way, I very rarely ever say that word. Like, you really have to do something terrible in traffic. I was just going to say, uh, you're, you yes. look like a traffic uh, swearer. <laughs> that's oh, what you look like. Oh, I definitely. <laughs> yes. That's so. that's where I, I become a whole different lady. <laughs> <laughs> lady in operative term as we drive the car. I get it. I get it. Because I drive a lot. I can't believe 
I can't believe this is why we don't have flying cars, okay? Because people can't handle driving cars on the road. We can't let them fly in the air. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. That's why we don't have flying cars. They can't, as soon as it rains down, especially down here, as soon as it rains, they are insane. They're like, what is this water? Whoa! And they're all over the place. And the... Yeah, no one wants to see flying cars with their hazards on. <laughs> this blinker's been on for 20 hours. So, now, uh, other than the thing, have you, are you a movie goer? Are you a movie fan? Do you go to see a lot of movies? Because you're, you're on the road a lot. You do a lot of shows. Do you get to get out and see movies a lot? I, I try my best. I, um, I I have Movie Pass, which I know you know. I, I'm sure you're aware. Movie yes. Pass is, has been running this great deal where it's ten dollars a month. You can see a movie per day. And, and I had Movie Pass. I first got it two years ago when I lived in New York, and it was like thirty five dollars a month, which was still a good deal. I thought, especially for New York, where the the tickets to see a movie are so like, super expensive. They're like sixty bucks. Yeah, so I'm like, that's like two movies, and I can see a movie a day. And what was great about it, and what is great about it, is you can see everything. So movies where you'd be like, I don't know if I want to spend the money to see it. I'll wait for it to come out on DVD, whatever. Like, you just go. You just go see everything. So, you know, and especially now at 10 bucks a month, it's like, yeah, that's the, yes. It's, yes. it's awesome. I love to go to movies. I love to smell popcorn. And uh, just the whole experience. I love when a movie theater is empty. Of That's course. Cool. Now, did you get, have you got to see Thor? I didn't see it yet. You know, my, my schedule, my work schedule, unfortunately, has been a little busy. But I, I have a bunch of movies now to catch up on and get out there. I was. See. I only brought that up because when you said love it when the theater's empty, I actually went to see Thor on opening weekend. <laughs> and I was the only one uh, in the theater that went to see it. Even though the movie was amazing. I loved it. But it's still, it's kind of cool seeing a movie on opening weekend and you being the only one in the theater watching. Yeah, I love I felt that. like personal screener just for me. Uh, <laughs> now, you also, uh, you kind of attached your flag as a, remember, a nerd comedian? Mm-hmm. No, I don't, I don't necessarily say that, but it that tends to be where I go. But, you know, I started doing stand-up at Comic-Cons just because I'm a fan of Comic-Cons. And, uh, you know, nope. the, the ones in Florida, they just didn't have stand-up. And I knew the guy who produced the shows, and I was like, hey, could I just put on a show here? And, you know, when you start performing in Comic-Cons, your material is going to naturally start becoming about all the stuff that's there. Of course. So, um, and I do love superheroes. I, I can't call myself a comic book nerd because as soon as I'm I'm tested on trivia I lose I suck I have, a, I have like a goldfish memory so um, I'm like look guys I can I just enjoy this without knowing every detail of every comic oh. book it's like the Hulk I just want to smash things that's all <laughs> I you know and I love being around it and and doing stand-up at cons is so fun you know my biggest love is like sci-fi stuff and just like I love the thing I mean that's me right there the horror sci-fi especially older stuff you know I'm I'm into it robots cyborgs give it to me baby okay. <laughs> so alien uh, you probably enjoyed the cyborg and alien uh, that came as a surprise when they ripped his head off in the uh, <laughs> first Alien. And what was another good cyborg uh, that I just saw? Oh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner with the uh, replicas. Did you like, did you enjoy that? I, you know, yes. Anything with, with robots and cyborgs. I, I always envisioned myself eventually, um, this might sound sad, but just being <laughs> alone in life and just like my companion. No, wait, my companion was like a love robot. And that, that's how I go through life, you know, kind of like um, in, what was the movie, AI, Jude Law. Oh, my God. AI was, was like, like a sex robot. I'm like, I, give me a Jude Law sex robot. That's <laughs> me. I, fine. See, that part of it sounds awesome. And it does not sound <laughs> sad at all. It's like, wait, I don't have to deal with other people, just this robot that will do everything I want. That sounds perfect. Um <laughs> Or even I, if it's like a Terminator, just you know the 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 skeleton. What is it called? The exoskeleton. The exoskeleton. Like see, you're yeah. good at that. Ah, uh, see, I forget everything now. But see, to me, I, I'm like that's okay. That could be my husband, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I want to see those wedding pictures next to exoskeleton. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> now, um, before uh, we're going to do a take a break, but before we go, is there anything that you would like to, a movie that you would like to plug? We'll get to other plugs later. Is there anything that you want to tell our listeners you got to go see, other than The Thing, of course? Oh, something that's out right now? Doesn't have to be out right now. Something that you like from your past. Anything that you're like, dude, this movie was awesome. I loved it. Like uh, Caddyshack. Who doesn't love Caddyshack? I got a weird one for you, okay? Let's do it. Back to the 80s. Um, there's a movie called Night of the Comet. Yes. The Girls in the Mall? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. Halley's Comet, like, wipes out most of the people. But then, like, people who were in, like, I think it was, like, an iron room. Lead, lead line. Bed and lead room. That's <laughs> lead room. There's lead rooms out there, of course. <laughs> Tons of them. Tons of them. <laughs> Oh, the lead it's down at the lead <laughs> district. Uh, the Leds R Us store has a bunch of rooms. Right. So people in the lead rooms survived, but people who were like in partially lead rooms, they became <laughs> zombies that wanted to kill you. Partially lead rooms. <laughs> yes. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. Ah! What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up ahead! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... You will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the Comet. The burden of civilization is on us. Ripson, isn't it? Yes, Night of the Comet is actually a very well done, very well written, uh, apocalyptic movie. I agree. So that's there you go. There's two for you folks. The thing and is it Day of the Comet? Is that what it's called? Night of the Comet. Night of the Comet. It is that. So two movies on the Great Movie Challenge. We'll be right back, folks, with more Lisa right after this. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we're back with a great movie challenge and our guest today, Lisa Correo. I keep say, uh, feeling that I'm saying that wrong because it sounds very Hawaiian. But, and you're there's saying a lot it of, right. But there's a lot of vowels. A-L-O, Correo. So you know, very... yeah, the way it's spelled, it doesn't look like how it sounds. It's C-O-R-R-A-O. So people want to make it exotic and they'll go, Correo. And I'm like, no, that sounds nice, but it's Correo. That's, uh, um, I like Correo better because I can't roll my tongue. Just said, that's okay. <laughs> I can't do it. Stop doing <laughs> up. I can't do it. Um, now, you are a stand-up comic, and how long have you been a stand-up comic? I have been a stand-up comic for 12 years. Okay. Yep, I started when I was 30. I am a 42-year-old mature did woman. Did not now. ask. Did not ask how old. I, so. It's okay. I like being 42. So, it's a good number. I like it. Yeah. Uh, but like now, was there what what brought you? What pushed you into that arena? That uh, uh, were you were you the class clown? <laughs> were you the not you at know? all? Not at no? all. I was so shy. I I was super shy, but I I really loved to joke around. I I wasn't the kind of kid who ever wanted to get in trouble, so I was well behaved. So I didn't want to be causing trouble in school. But if there was ever a teacher who maybe didn't pay attention so much, then I would be in the back, like maybe drawing a picture of the teacher in lingerie like with a whip whipping all the students <laughs> you know I, I would be doing something funny and then secretly passing it to other kids and making other kids laugh but mostly I didn't want to get in trouble so I wasn't like a loud class clown or anything like that I was super shy I didn't even go to school that much quite honestly because I hated school I was really smart but I hated school and no kids my, no school yeah my parents <laughs> were awesome though they would call me out sick all the time because they were kind of like, as long as you get A's, you can stay home. So I kind of would just like teach myself the, the content. Your parents sound awesome. They're great, so yeah. <laughs> who, who cares if they were cutting out nude scenes? They sound awesome. You got to stay at home. <laughs> they are awesome. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah, they're so awesome. Now, yeah, yeah, they're great. 
Were you uh, were you influenced by any comedians like when you were younger, listening to anybody, Richard Pryor, George Carlin, that type of thing, or? Um, so again, with the parents being strict, um, you know, there weren't a whole lot of clean comedians. This is going to sound terrible now in light of events, but I mean, Bill Cosby was clean, and so like that was stand up I listened to. It's terrible to say that. Oh, my hero's a, a rapist, <laughs> but in fact, that was an early influence. I, I feel now I should be raping people if I'm following my hero. Um, but it's your next it's step. It's your next chapter. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Yeah, but so stand-up wise, you know, I wouldn't say as a kid I looked at Bill Cosby and thought, "Oh, I want to be a stand-up comedian." I think comedy-wise, maybe it wasn't so many stand-ups that influenced me, my and my sense of humor. It was more like Mel Brooks. Like, Mel Brooks movies to me were always so funny, and that was more like my sense of humor. And my dad is really funny, and so um, I think that's where my sense of humor came from, my dad and Mel Brooks, and not necessarily from a stand-up comedian. Now, when I became a little older, maybe middle school age, then I really got into... Um, I remember in middle school, I discovered Brian Regan and thought he was amazing, and amazing. I loved Harry Seinfeld. And, um, and clean comedians, again, not that I was purposely seeking out clean comedy, but those were just people who made me laugh. Um, and, and yeah, I, I kind of always secretly wanted to be a stand-up comedian from that point on. And I still have my notebook from high school where I started writing down jokes as ah. if I were a stand-up comedian. <laughs> now, I've done some of those jokes on stage, too. Were your jokes, now, would you say your jokes are simple jokes as in premise punchline, or were they more of the, like Jerry Seinfeld, you just mentioned, uh, um, he's more of a situational uh, kind of like, hey, did you ever notice this? Was it more of that type of comedy, observational comedy? It was probably more observational. I, I think I I side a little more towards observational, probably because of those influences. Yeah. But Brian Regan, I agree, is one of the funniest guys out there to this day. I still think he's hilarious, everything he does. He's amazing. Uh, he, he just, I, I mean, he, he makes me laugh so hard that I have to throw myself on the floor. He's incredible. <laughs> and I, I've been lucky enough to get to work with him, too. So oh, that's you know, great. It's like... You know, someone that you looked up to since you're a kid and, and then get to work for. And, you know, I just think he's brilliant and he's such a nice person, too. Now, I was also watching uh, on your website, lisacorreo.com. Uh, you do you have and you can find it on YouTube. You you have little instructional videos, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, you talk about like what it's like to bomb. And uh, yeah. uh, different hecklers, a, like different instructional, like for a comedian, for a starting out. You want to know what's funny is I, I feel a little bit embarrassed of those videos because I when I did those, uh, um, I, I did them for like eHow, I think. I think it was for eHow or maybe there, I think there's some on eHow and there's some on another website. And... I, I didn't get paid anything to do them. Someone asked me to do them. I had no, I had nothing on camera, and I was a new, fairly new stand-up comic and a, a student of stand-up comedy since being a kid. And I felt like I could talk about stand-up and do these little videos that they asked me to do, and I did it. And then, then after I did them, I thought oh no, they're going to be on the internet forever and I don't want to come off as like, <laughs> as if I'm an expert because I don't think I'm an expert. I just wanted to share some of the things that I, you know, things well, that I believe in comedy. I don't think you come off as an expert at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to say that um, I was watching one today about the bombing. You're talking about okay. what it's like to bomb as a comedian because I've been, I, I've seen a, so many like, uh, comedy shows i was lucky enough to uh see like rodney dangerfield and uh um the one that i never saw and i'm I kick myself to this day is george carlin he would come around like every six months and i was like eh, i'll see him someday and i never did and that kills me to this day but i got to see a lot of like jerry seinfeld jay leno when he back when he was good oh, in my awesome. opinion so um there was a lot of a lot of comedians i got to see I never seen any of the the big ones bomb, but I used to go to when comedy the comedy boom when it was uh, yuck yucks on every corner, and uh, <laughs> uh, we would go out like on Fridays. And when someone tells a joke and the room is just crickets, that's all you yeah. hear. Have you experienced that? Of 
course. Really? Uh, you know, when, when some of the famous people you're talking about, if they were already famous, I mean, honestly, they're probably not going to bomb because people are right. just so excited to see them, you know, and, and any, oh, just about anything they say is going to be awesome. Not to say they're not awesome. You know, all those people you mentioned are incredible. But they, you definitely have much less of a chance to bomb if people are coming to see you. Even me, and I'm not famous in any respect at all. When That's I do shows where people have come to see me, I'm not gonna bomb. I mean, they're coming specifically to see me. They, like they already like me, you know. Whereas when you go up in front of strangers, very true. They, you don't have that bond with them yet, so you have to, you know, endear yourself to them. And sometimes it doesn't happen. And especially if you're trying out new material. Whew, let me tell you. Okay, the longer you, you do comedy, the less likely you are to bomb. However, when you go out and you're trying out new stuff, it can still happen. It happened to me just recently that I, I went out to a bar and it was a situation where the audience didn't know they were an audience. They were just going to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> the best type of comedy. <laughs> right. They didn't even know there was comedy. Never mind. They're not going to know me. You know? There's just like, why is there someone talking in a microphone? I just wanted to come here and talk with my friend and pick up a drunk lady. You know, so, like they. As far as they knew, you were just some drunk chick with a microphone being like, hey, they everybody. Don't know. <laughs> right. They're innocent people, and uh, we're trying to make them into an audience, you know? So. The, the good news about that, though, is if a line works in that hostile situation, it's probably a keeper. So here I am. I come out, and I'm trying all new stuff, and it's just mostly getting just no reaction whatsoever. And it's just, but, you know, it, it's never not going to hurt. It hurts. So you're but like when you sit, but you sit there just with a smile on your face, and you're like, yay, and keep you just keep <laughs> plugging along. Obviously, you have to keep plugging along. You can't just run it off and cry in the back room somewhere. But uh, No, no. Comedy only ever made me cry one time and uh, <laughs> you do get somewhat of a thick skin it always hurts because we are sensitive little people you know you, you say oh thick skin but really you're, you're always kind of sensitive I think if you're any kind of a creative type you have to be or you're not going to be a creative person you have to have feelings you know but uh, I cried this one time it, it was a long long time ago at the old Miami Improv in the Grove yeah and, yeah, they were doing this contest. It was the Carnival Comedy Contest. And what it was is if you won this contest, you got to work on Carnival Cruise Line and get all these great paying gigs, and, and it was great. But the, the, the best part about it was the judges were all bookers from various comedy clubs. Okay, so okay. you're at the very least showcasing in front of people who can hire you. So yeah, even if you don't win the big prize, yeah. So I did really well in the contest. I got through all the rounds, and this was the final. Okay, final competition. Some of the best comedians in Florida are on this. The final. I'm still pretty green, still pretty new, and um, I had to follow this comedian who's so funny. His name's Malik. And he he destroyed. Okay, he killed so hard, and I'm like, man, like that's that's gonna now, be hard to follow. How, how long ago was? How long ago would you say? I was maybe two years in. So I was is, pretty new. Is Malik still around? Oh yeah, he's out in LA. He's amazing. Oh, he's out. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, he's killer. Travels all over. He's so funny. Um, but he was funny then. He, I mean, he absolutely killed. And after his set, now all the judges have microphones, like American Idol style, oh. and they're all commenting on his set and they're tearing him apart. And I'm trying to listen through the green room door to everything they're saying. I'm like, okay, don't do that, don't do that. Like, I'm overthinking it. So then I come out. Okay, so you ever get really nervous and you get, like, cotton mouth or your mouth is so dry, like, unbelievably dry? Every day. Okay, every day. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, to this day, I'll tell new comedians, they're like, you have any tips? I'm like, stay hydrated. <laughs> That's all I have. <laughs> okay, so, like, you, you, you know, we're often dehydrated throughout the day and don't realize it, but then, like, when something important where you have adrenaline pumping, then all sure. of a sudden your mouth's dry. So that's happening to me. I'm getting more and more nervous. I pop out on stage. The first two words out of my mouth, my mouth's like sticking together. It was like, <laughs> it didn't make sense. The so disgusting like, little white specks on your tip. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Is she turning into a spider head? <laughs> so my first joke got nothing, absolutely nothing. 
and I did not recover the whole set with zero oh. laps. Just crickets. And it was so embarrassing in front of the bookers. And, you know, I was fortunate that most of those bookers had seen me and I've worked, I had worked in their clubs already. So they kind of knew I was just like completely, they knew I was just completely bombing. Right. But it was still so embarrassing. And I went into the green room and I just started tearing up. And the other comedians looked at me like, we don't even know how to help you. And I just, <laughs> I don't want to cry in front of anyone because I wanted to be tough. I ran into the bathroom and I cried my little heart out. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. And I didn't cry again for comedy for it. I don't think I did ever again. And so, the, yeah. the twist of the story is you won the contest. <laughs> I won. <laughs> no, I never worked uh, a cruise as a stand-up. I, I have worked for Carnival, though. Uh, they've hired me to do on-camera stuff for them a few times. Like festival flea market stuff? Yeah, similar to stuff like that, where you, I would go around on the cruise ship and kind of do like fun little interviews with uh, guests on the cruise. Really? That's yeah. fun. Was he going Very like, fun. This prime rib looks delicious. That kind of thing. So fun. <laughs> you just get to interact with all the people on the cruise, and it's and they're all having a good time. So yeah, that, that, working for them was really fun. Now, the one thing I've, I was thinking about today is that uh, when you work with the public, like in retail. It's horrific because you think you like people, and then you work in retail, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Uh, like, no, I don't like people. <laughs> surprising enough, I don't know. Um, There's too many of them. They shouldn't be flying cars around. That's uh, uh, a lot of times. Like if you when you work when you're working with the public, whether whatever it is, there are times that you think to yourself, "How did these people like live to be this age? Like they're so there's something wrong with these people." And I notice going to comedy clubs, it's almost you're working with the public and yeah. you have there are certain people that go to comedy clubs you have your bachelorette parties which i think are the worst, uh, um, the worst. you have people because i've seen this uh there was one time i went to see gilbert Gottfried, and someone went to this show angry like the, there's people that'll go to comedy clubs mad and be like i dare you to make me laugh like they'll just sit there with their arms crossed and just yeah Rrr. i get it and uh then you have the over laughers that even the smallest thing there like just insane. it actually throws you off as much as you want people to laugh that that sometimes an over laugher can actually throw off your timing for right sure. right and so you have that kind of weird and then you have people that just want to have a good time and uh whatever but you have that weird mix in that crowd and uh you guys and being up on stage you have to learn how to work that uh, and I've noticed, and I don't know if you're one of the, these people, but I've noticed that if somebody, like say someone opens for you and they find Betsy in the front row and they make fun of Betsy and they have a great time with Betsy and a lot of stuff from the audience with Betsy, when you come out, do you, do you gr jump on Betsy as well? Do you say, do you, in the sense like, hey, she's, she's a good, you know, she'll, she'll be good in the act and I know she's safe, like she's not one of these weirdos that if I start talking to. You know, in, in general, Opening acts uh, maybe shouldn't do too much crowd work um, because, you know, the, it, it's the headliner show. I, I know for me, when I open for other comedians, I try not to do as much crowd work as maybe I would do as a closer um, because I don't know what they want to do with the crowd or maybe they don't want to engage the crowd at all because once you engage the crowd, then you're opening up a dialogue. And quite honestly, you could be inviting more hecklers. Now, that being said, sometimes you have to talk to the crowd if something happened or someone yelled something out that you absolutely must address. But let's say in the situation that you're talking about, if I were closing a show and the person in front of me opening was engaging quite a bit with uh, Betsy in the front. She's the best. Betsy's the best. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. It would depend on the situation. If I felt like the crowd had enough of that topic, then it would be over. Maybe I would address it in a different way. Just like, I don't see what's so wrong with Betsy. Like, almost make fun of the other comedian in a way. You know, like, and take some fun jabs. You know, it, every situation is completely different. That's right. one of the things I really love about stand-up. You know, every day is a complete surprise. You never know what's going to happen. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps keeps your brain fresh. And, uh, you know, it's an exciting little job because of that. 
Now, the fact that you are a comedian, do you have, I would imagine this is a, a, something that happens to you all the time. As soon as people hear that, they're like, I got a great joke for you. And they want to tell you, they would tell <laughs> all you. All the time. And, all the uh, time. Yeah. I try not to tell people I'm a comedian for that reason, you know, unless they come out and ask, so what do you do for a living? Um, you know, I, I, I don't offer it up. <laughs> information. I've always because I've, I've seen that happen, and it surprises me because the people then tell they tell you an actual joke, like I said, with a setup and a yeah. punchline, and it's like that's really not what stand-up comics do. They don't get up there and be like, two guys walk into a bar," <laughs> and uh, yeah. but that's uh, so. With that, I have a great. I'll joke. be nice about it, but yes, I'll let them tell a joke and and laugh, and sometimes they're funny. You know, I can't, I personally can't tell street jokes, though. I've never been able to. And it goes street back to my goldfish memory. Yeah, we call them street jokes. <laughs> I mess them up. I can't remember how to tell them correctly. Some people are amazing at it. And so I'm like, oh, it's, it's good. Some people are great at delivering it, and, and it'll be funny to me. But uh, if I try to retell it, I screw it up. I am going to I'm stealing the street joke uh, uh, slogan now. I love that. Story. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, makes I me feel like a gangster. That's the term. Yeah, that's the term for it. Yeah. Thug life. <laughs> telling street jokes. That's what I do. So. That's right, son. That's it. I'll pop a street <laughs> joke in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I got a new premise for a TV show. TM. Trademark <laughs> in that one. Popping street jokes in your ass. Now, yeah. uh, we are winding down here. Uh, can I'm Like I said, I want everybody to go to lisacreo.com uh, to see a bunch more. <laughs> Lisa, is there anything you'd like to plug? Any Thanksgiving stories? Because Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Do I have a Thanksgiving story? Um, you know, I don't know that I have a story. Um, well, my, you know, my... My mom will experiment on Thanksgiving a lot of times. She actually, I remember when we were kids and microwaves were kind of a new exciting thing. She actually made the Thanksgiving turkey in the microwave, the whole thing, from raw turkey to <laughs> turkey, which sounds crazy, but you want to know something? She has not topped that turkey to this day. It was amazing. Well, so something good. I can do. So that the science oven, as we like to call it here, is uh, the microwave <laughs> oven. Um, Isn't that just, crazy? The uh, a whole turkey in the microwave oven. I don't think I think you're lying to us. This is part I'm of your routine. I'm not lying. My my mom had. I remember she had a needlepoint sign hung in the kitchen that said, um, "I have more time for misbehaving since I started microwaving." <laughs> it was like a needlepoint <laughs> sign, and it was like she just did everything in the microwave for like she went through this phase. And it wasn't bad. There were like whole cookbooks of like everything you can make in the microwave. Microwaves are amazing. Uh, I love it's them. It's kind of impressive. We don't use them like to their potential at all. I know. I agree. And I was going to say something, but that was way. <laughs> 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 I'm just going to hold off on that. That'll be in the deleted scenes. Misbehaving? Uh, <laughs> is that? What I'm like, Mom. What? What do you have more time to do? <laughs> what? Uh, no, it wasn't that. It was the we don't use the microwaves to their full potential. It's like uh, I can think. You know what? That's, I don't know what you're talking about. That's uh, that's great. Do you have any? We went in two different directions. Then. <laughs> we did. I went I went street thug, street jokes. Uh, that's right. Do you have any shows coming up? Anything? You know, my shows are all over the place. Um, you, you you know, I I I'll open for Pat and Oswald, and we're gonna have some dates together in 2018. I'll be posting them on my website. I'll probably tweet them out. You know, I, I suck at updating my website, so. Uh, awesome. Look for me on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> that kind of stuff, and I'll I will try to post as much as I, my brain can handle. Uh, really quick, I just wanted to say that uh, opening for Pat Oswald has got to be like amazing uh, because he's so one of the guy. best things I've ever done. He's a, he's awesome. He's just an awesome person and brilliant. He's one of the best comedians that exists, and I am so lucky that he thinks I'm funny. It, it blows my mind. It, it's such an honor to me that he he laughs at my jokes he uh um his latest comedy special on netflix annihilation is that the his last one that he did on netflix, yes was amazing like it was so the, good. It, it was uh heart-wrenching and hilarious and he was able to because of obviously his recent tragedy was able to incorporate that and still make it funny but not tasteless uh okay. which i was it left me dumbfounded. It was like that's true. That's a true comedian that can do it's real art. Really, yeah. really watching an artist and, uh, and laughing your butt off at the same time. 
when the my favorite joke on that one was when he said that his wife uh, would always say, "There's no higher power; it's just chaos." Uh, and then he would say, well, maybe there's a higher power. And then she won the argument in the worst goddamn way possible. And yeah. I, was like, I was like, man, that is so funny, but yeah, horrifying. Really- yeah, it's such great, great, great. But I want to stick on uh, Patton Oswalt, amazing, another amazing comedian. But uh, uh, Lisa, you are an amazing comedian. And oh, if, if you are by Comic-Con, she's always stalking around there, telling street Oh, yeah. The alley. The next, uh, there you go. There, there's another Comic-Con in South Florida. It's uh, in January. Super and it, uh Super comes in July. Oh, uh, Paradise is, City. January is Paradise City, yeah. Thank Paradise you. City. <laughs> Thank you for telling me my schedule. <laughs> Paradise City. <laughs> See, I need help. I need someone to help me. Um, I will be there, and I'll be doing stand-up comedy at that Comic-Con in Florida. And it is uh, it is a blast. Not only you also have a booth and you sell merch, uh, which I do yeah I have, try to uh, be at a booth because I like to meet uh, fans and meet new people, and uh, I'll I'll probably have some kind of merch. Hopefully, my my the thing Spiderhead shirts will be done, and I'll oh, be able to sell dude. I have. Um, I like I go to San Diego Comic Con. I try to go there every year, and I always try to showcase your "I Am Not Groot" shirt. Uh, ah. I, I always get comments. Yeah, the, uh, you know, I, you know, I am Groot. I, I made a T-shirt and sold it, and it says you're not Groot. Just being <laughs> a <hero. laughs> Love it, love it. But uh, awesome. go to Comic Con, South Florida, where and uh, but check Lisa's uh, schedule because it is amazing. She is amazing, always fun. Do you have time for a super quick quiz? This is how I ended it with Josie, our mutual friend okay. Josie Deborah. Okay, this next quiz that we're going to end the show with uh, is going to be this. Is it a sex move or serial killer? Are you ready? Sex move or serial killer. Okay. Okay. Cleveland Steamer. Oh, that's a sex move. Boston Strangler. Uh, Should be a sex move, but that is a serial killer. (laughs) It should be. The uh, Ape Wellington. Serial killer. That's a sex move. The the my parents <laughs> the doodler. That's that's a sex boot. That's a serial killer. The doodler. <laughs> serial killer. <laughs> okay, Charlie Chopoff. The, the God, that's got to be some horrible sex move. That is a serial killer. Charlie <laughs> Chopoff is a serial killer. These should the, all be sex moves. <laughs> the, <laughs> Can any of them be both? The, uh, sure, we can make it like the angry manatee. The, uh, uh, Dapper Dan. That, that's a sex move. That is a sex move. Congratulations. Ah, yay! The, uh, I'll give you an easy one. Muddy puppy. Oh, that sounds horrible. That's a sex move. Turns out that's a serial killer. Is it? No, it's a sex move. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> uh, Charlie Chopoff. <laughs> that's, that's, that's. The serial killer. That is a serial killer. Uh, Frostface. Oh my god! Oh my god, is a serial killer. Sex move. Damn it! I'm gonna. <laughs> this uh, this one I can guarantee you will not get. I do not think you'll get this one. Uh, Buttermilk Bluebeard. Oh my god, that's got to be a sex move. That is a serial killer. Oh Buttermilk, god! Buttermilk Bluebeard. Uh, you know but, what? Just, just in spite of your game, I'm gonna invent a sex move called the Ted Bundy. <laughs> and, Use your uh, imagination. I'm gonna, I'll give you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give you an easy one. This is softball. Uh, Denver dripping donkey doorknob. <laughs> that is I want a that serial, to be a serial killer. killer. <laughs> <laughs> that is the horrible oh, serial killer. He lived next door to me, and you know, he was a normal guy. He was quiet, the Denver Dippering Donkey Doorknob. Quiet. No one expected anything from him. It's a weird, weird name. He likes uh, comic books. <laughs> and the thing. And the thing. Well, then he's not all that bad. So. <laughs> That's right. Lisa, thank you so much for letting me uh, speak with you today. And, Aww, and bring, back, so. uh, bring back the debut of the great movie challenge. So uh, you are now officially a friend of the show. Awesome. So you can find us on uh, iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on the streets now with our street jokes. 
And uh, <laughs> find Lisa at uh, Comic Cons, telling out street thug jokes and living the life. Love it. Uh, and also check out lisacorreo.com. All right, do you have, uh, and check out her videos on YouTube. They're not as embarrassing as she thinks they are. They're so embarrassing. Or maybe they are. But either way, <laughs> just check them out. They're, they're awesome. Lisa, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Please tune in uh, next time when we're going to have uh, Lisa's dad, and he's going to give us all the stuff that he cut out. He saved it all. All the stuff he's cut out through all the years, and we get to see all that. So it's going to be great. Thank you again, Lisa, and have a wonderful oh, day. You too. It's over, Johnny. It's over. Nothing is over. Nothing. You just don't turn it off. It's over. Go home. Oh, yeah. Go. That I'm not raping enough people. <laughs>